hey, 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 but if it's passed, then it's coming up again in 366 days. True. Wait. <laughs> That's, that is how time works. <laughs> now you actually just said 366 days. Yeah, I know. That was wrong. <laughs> that was very much very wrong. That would be like one day as well. You could have just said one day. I meant to say less than 365. Oh, God. It's yeah, been a while since 364. We... I meant 364. But Alistair was... finished his PhD and promptly lost the ability to do any math whatsoever. If he had that ability before, it remains to be seen. Thank you for your vote of confidence, Sienna. Anytime. Welcome back, Alistair. Thank you. Um, it's so nice to be back, and I'd like to welcome our listeners back to a third season of Not Yet a Doctor. Yeah. The podcast It's <laughs> like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Will it be a doctor? Will it not be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Alistair, and I... Uh, how do I introduce myself now? However you want. <laughs> However you want. In Quebec, you cannot introduce yourself as Dr. Kirolf, unfortunately. Oh. That's reserved for medical doctors as of this year. As of this year? Yeah. Did you get like an email from the government saying... Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's really interesting. I wonder if that has anything to do with people claiming to be doctors when they're actually just PhDs in homeopathy. Anyway, that's a different episode. I think it's possible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we're already off on tangents and I haven't even introduced myself. My name is Alistair and uh, I have my PhD in analytical chemistry from Queen's University. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Who are you? Oh, yes, of course. Hello. Nice to meet you all. My name is Sienna Drake. I am doing my doctorate in neuroscience at McGill University. Yeah. Ongoing. And we are, what did we decide we are going to call ourselves? The PhD2 for you. Yes, the PhD2 for you. Nathan, don't, don't listen to this. Don't come at us. Who's Nathan? Um, Nathan for you is the, <laughs> is the inspiration. If Nathan is listening, then welcome and uh, don't sue us. Help us promote our podcast yeah. through humor and satire or do do sue us and then we'll get notoriety oh yeah that would be fun (laughs) i can't i would love to be sued (laughs) uh i don't have the money to be sued you'll notice unfortunately for us listeners you'll notice that we are down to two people beth did leave us last season but we're gonna do our best to keep you entertained anyways yeah alistair's not very funny on his own so it might be difficult (laughs) I know. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough without the banter from Beth. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are joining us for this season and don't know who Beth is, uh, go back and listen to seasons one and two. Yeah, she's a dear friend of ours, and we miss her uh, lots. She's not dead. <laughs> Wait, I should clarify. She's not dead. She just uh, is focusing on her research, her, doing bigger and better yeah, things, big, wrinkly yeah. brain physics uh, research. 
She's too busy discovering particles, yeah. <laughs> exactly. To associate with us plebs. But we are back for a third season, and I have some exciting news for our listeners. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, have a job coming up. Yes. Uh, which is very exciting on a cruise ship. <laughs> we love a working man. <laughs> we like to make money. <laughs> so um, I'm going to be just like uh, a photon popping in and out of existence on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But hopefully we'll get some nice episodes in with me and Sienna, and then I think we might have some other hosts and some other ideas for this podcast. So mm-hmm. stay tuned as we take on season three in a mm-hmm. exciting and uh, new way. As we cruise through these uncharted waters. <laughs> exactly. Just like Alistair will do. Yeah, exactly. I'll be cruising through uncharted waters. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think they'll be well charted. It's probably going to be like <laughs> places that have been sailed many times. And listeners, feel free to uh, get in touch with us at our email, phd32b at gmail.com. We didn't change the email because it's mm-hmm. hard to change an email address. So that's phd32b at gmail.com. And let us know if you have ideas, maybe, or suggestions about how this third season can take shape or what you Yeah, what you want to see who you want to hear more from hint the answer is sienna uh Uh, and we also uh, maybe i'll plug our socials as well we are on facebook instagram and maybe Mm -hmm. twitter i don't know if we're on twitter Twitter. are we on twitter facebook instagram and twitter not yet a dr so uh Mm -hmm. check us out there follow us and you can get in touch with us on there so yeah yeah we'd love to hear from you we always love to hear from our listeners so, uh, Sienna, Valentine's Day is coming yes, up. Absolutely. And it might it might already have passed by the time we release our episodes. Hey, hey, hey. But if it's passed, then it's coming up again. True. That's, that is how time works. And you know what Valentine's Day means. <sighs> Existential dread. Close. I was going to go with <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's a two, that too. That too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, so today it's, I didn't really keep it a secret from you, but today no. we're going to be talking about a little bit about the chemistry and the science of chocolate and chocolate oh, yeah. making. I cannot wait. I love chocolate. So this is a good episode for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really cool episode mm-hmm. and I think our listeners are really going to enjoy it. I found some really interesting, uh, academic papers about chocolate research. So we're going to talk about those. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm going to dive in with just a very surface level brief overview of what chocolate is, um, because I think most of our listeners will have eaten or tried or come into contact with chocolate. Um, Yeah. It comes in many different varieties and uh, forms, but there are two distinctions that I want to make for our episode today, and that's the Mm -hmm. difference between chocolate and something called compound chocolate. Okay. Now, chocolate is pretty closely defined, although it depends on where you are in the world, Um, but it contains between 15 and 20% cocoa butter. So that's the fats that make up the chocolate. Mm -hmm. Compound chocolate, its main ingredients come from the cacao bean, like chocolate does, but um, a lot of them will substitute cocoa butter for other vegetable fats, such as coconut oil, Mm. soy, palm kernel oil, or other oils, um, in place of the cocoa butter. And that's for a number of reasons. One is cost. It's a lot cheaper to use less cocoa butter, but also it's a lot easier to make because you don't have to do a process called tempering. Now I'll talk about tempering Mm -hmm. in a bit, but uh, one thing I found interesting 
doing the research for this little background about chocolate, is in Canada, where you and I both live. This is true. Compound chocolate actually doesn't exist. You cannot <gasps> substitute cocoa butter for other oils in Canada. Legally? Legally. Like, food regular, like, the Food Inspection that Agency tries. of Canada says that so, you can't. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. And so, in Canada, all the chocolate that you will get is between 15 and 20 percent cocoa butter it depends on the type Mm -hmm. of chocolate but um it all contains cocoa butter which means that it is likely not always but it's likely tempered yeah and so cocoa butter which is this fat that comes from the cocoa beans mainly has a bunch of different types of fatty acids in it including oleic palmitic and steric fatty Mm -hmm. acids and that just gives it its physical structure the fats and things you know give it the structure that the chocolate has Mm -hmm. but there are six different forms that these fats can take and they're you can think of them like well they are crystal forms so they when they slippy slidey yeah there's a slippy slidey one (laughs) um but when when you when you melt chocolate you break up the crystals and you just have kind of the fruit the fats all floating around and then as it cools they form different crystal structures and yeah it's what's called a six-phase polymorphic crystal because oh it can God. form six different types of crystal structures. And it can be a mix of any of the different forms. The wow. best form for candies and coatings is form five because it gives it a nice glossy sheen. It has a good Ooh. intermolecular structure, so it has a nice kind of yeah. um, strength to it. And it can resist what's called fat bloom. We'll talk about fat bloom in a mm-hmm. minute. So this is why if you accidentally melt a chocolate bar because you leave it out in the sun mm. and then you put it in the freezer to re-freeze it. Mm-hmm. To cool it down. That's the best way to put that. Cool it down. Get it back into its form mm-hmm. and you take it out. It doesn't look gloss anymore. It looks kind of dull. Exactly. On the outside. Exactly. Has that happened to me too many times? <laughs> um, so sad. And that's because what you're doing is you're actually taking the chocolate that's been tempered and it's got a nice sheen on it and it's got a nice crack yeah. to it. You're taking it and um, melting it, breaking down that crystal structure, but then you're not mm-hmm. promoting the form five crystal growth. And so it's just yeah. forming all the other forms. Okay. So I want to do a little experiment with you. I love experiments. <laughs> so um, we're going to see what the effect of tempering chocolate has on chocolate first and then Uh i'm going to talk you through how we temper chocolate so i've got Mm -hmm. listeners you'll be able to hear this is gonna be like an asmr bit at the episode (laughs) i've got a lovely uh chocolate bar from a beloved chocolate company here in canada called purdy's um not sponsored i just love purdy's um so that looks great that looks like some christmas chocolate right there did you get that for christmas i did get this for christmas i knew it and so gonna open this bar up crackle 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 yeah i'm trying to crackle it as much as possible for you know this the is very christmasy <laughs> listen to us eating our chocolate while you listen to this episode crying that you don't have chocolate and so Sam, i'd like that. you to describe to me this bar because our listeners can't see it but okay so it's a bar of about three squares by eight squares length the squares <laughs> yes. are pretty square they're not rectangular like they sometimes are with chocolate um i'd say it's about half an inch thick and it looks like it has white specks all over it which could be just something, uh, maybe those are chips. It's hard to tell. I think that's like just, just chips in the chocolate. That's just, yeah, that's little bits of the chocolate that have flaked off. Little the deformations. They don't mean yeah. anything. It's but not it's, like 
almonds or something, but it looks nice. It's pretty glossy, pretty shiny. Yeah. Shiny-ish, pretty shiny. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I can see a sheen, but okay. it's not like um, reflective shiny. It's not a mirror. Yes, it's not. It's not a mirror. And I'll talk to you. I'll tell you about why it's shiny, but not completely mirror-like. Yeah. So most of this chocolate, I can tell you, is in this form five uh, tempered state. And the reason yeah. that one of the best reasons you can know if it's tempered and I am already getting chocolate all over my keyboard, but that's fine, um, <laughs> is because I can do something like this. You can You can hear the crack. Yeah. As I... That's a really loud crack. As I break the pieces, and when I eat them... Oh, this one has some crunchy bits in it. Okay, it does have crunchy bits. It does I have I was wondering, bits. on the bottom it looked a bit um, rough, like it had almonds or something. Mm. It's got like little caramel pieces. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, caramel pieces. Mm. Oh my God. Whole nother science there, but we're talking about chocolate. So now, Sienna, yeah. I noticed that you, before we started recording this, <laughs> were having a little snack of a different chocolate. And listeners, I would like to point out that this was unplanned. This is completely I just unplanned. was eating chocolate on my own because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, are, what am I doing with my chocolate? Um, So I'd like you to um, describe... I'll hold it up to the screen. Yeah, hold it up so I can describe it. So again, Ooh. it's it looks darker. Is it a darker? Yes. Is it a milk chocolate? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's a, yeah, it's a dark chocolate. Nice. So yeah, it's darker, but it is shiny. You can see it's a uh, it's an orange slice, and you can yeah. see the ridges of the orange shining in the light. And now, mm-hmm. see if you can give that a nice snap for our listeners. Listeners, listen up, because here comes some chocolate ASMR. That was, Y'all hear that? That was good. That was a good snap. Terry's chocolate oranges don't really crunch, though, in the mouth. Not completely, but there is there is a crunch to it. It is not soft. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, so, no, no, no. No. And so both of these chocolates that we've just demonstrated to you are tempered. Demonstrated and devoured. Demonstrated and completely devoured. I mean, I still have some of my chocolate bar left. But <laughs> have you ever tempered chocolates? Yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> have you ever tried have i melted chocolate yes i think the problem is a lot of recipes online that call for melted chocolate do not tell you how critically important it is to have a thermometer if you really do want it to have that shiny glaze so i have melted chocolate with the intention of like it cooling and creating a shiny like coating on things mm-hmm and it's almost always failed me. Mm-hmm. And what does it look like when it cools? I don't I think it even usually cools to like, well, it depends because normally I think it's mixed with like whipping cream or milk or something. Okay. But it, it doesn't even solidify half the time. Mm-hmm. It just creates a gooey mess. <laughs> a gooey, sweet, delicious mess, but not what you, know? you want. Like that Nanaimo bar topping. Sometimes it works out really nice mm. and you get a nice shiny Nanaimo bar topping. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you just don't and it kind of like is weird and not shiny and not even necessarily fully formed. Yeah. Not hardened, not crunchy. And so that's yeah. probably, it's probably because you're not getting a temper into the chocolate. So. Well, it's giving me a temper though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I should say tempering chocolate. I have never done it, but it is... Actually, I tried once, and I think I was partially successful. But it mm-hmm. takes a lot of time and patience, and there's a number of steps. And I'm going to walk you through the different steps in tempering chocolate, because then we're going to... And what the science is behind them, hopefully. Exactly, yes. 
So as I described earlier, the first step is you have to melt down the chocolate to destroy the crystal structure that's already within the chocolate. And you often are melting the chocolate down so that you can reform it into something else, into molds, into candies, for dipping mm-hmm. strawberries into. But you want to melt it so that it is usable for your application. Yeah. But when you melt it down, the if it's already tempered, the Form 5 crystals go down into their free fatty acids and phospholipids and different yeah. fats floating around. And then you have to cool it down after melting it very precisely and keep mm. the temperature just below where the good Form 5 crystals are made. So the Form 5 crystals start at just below 35 degrees Celsius. Okay. And the lower forms, 1 to 4, are between 17 to 27 degrees Celsius. So if you cool it down too quickly or too far, you end up forming undesirable crystals. Crystals? Yeah. Oh my god. That's tricky. So you, like, have to make it on a hot day. Um, Well, you have to make it in a precise way. I have a a little infographic that I think is kind of cool and i think informational and graphic probably so um you can see this the six polymorphs and so well and we'll put this image up on our uh facebook and instagram for listeners you can follow along yeah but the form one and form two are soft and crumbly oh in in texture and then three and four are firm but they don't snap as well like they kind of bend the form five is shiny and smooth and has a good snap. And then forms, there's actually the sixth form is hard and it melts really slowly in the mouth um, and mm. blooms a little bit. So actually form six can be desirable in some applications or some chocolate making where you want to have the chocolate kind of melt really slowly or release the flavors really slowly. Yeah. But those all have in increasing order, increasing melting points. So when mm-hmm. you're tempering chocolate, you want to cool it down to the crystal structure that you want, which is usually form five. Yeah. And so the temperatures do vary. I mean, the what I said, 35 degrees Celsius, this uh, image says 33.8. But if you cool it down to 25 degrees Celsius, then you're forming the form three yeah. crystal structure. Wow. That makes sense? Yeah. So that's the second step is you want to cool it down to around 35 degrees Celsius so that you promote the growth of these form five crystals. What do these Form 5 crystals look like? We will see some scanning electron okay. microscope oh, photos okay. in a bit. Because there, okay, is a, I love that. there is a paper. There's <laughs> many papers, actually, that have looked at chocolate forms. But there's one in particular. People like to look at what they love, you know? It's very true. Um, <laughs> and so the process of cooling it down to 35 degrees Celsius should theoretically yeah. only give you the Form 5 crystals. But... When right. you're working in a kitchen, there are some of the, the more undesirable form four that form. It's a lot of f- yeah. words of form. Form four that form. <laughs> so then what you do is you actually, after cooling it down, you warm it up a little bit, just enough to melt okay. any of the lower melting point crystals. Oh, clever. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. cool it down and then heat it up just to below 35 degrees Celsius, just so that you can melt these bad crystals that have potentially formed and just have the good form five. Then you can pour it into molds and cool it right down. As it cools, the crystals that you've mm-hmm. created, the form five crystals, speed up and mm-hmm. promote growth of form five crystals within the chocolate. Mm-hmm. So you will have a nice, snappy, glossy chocolate bar. 
So the crystals form while it's still liquid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, as it's cooling. Ooh, it's kind okay. of like if you think about yeah. ice freezing, you can have mm -hmm. you, the ice starts to freeze in certain parts and then mm -hmm. the whole container of ice like will mm -hmm. freeze. So you kind of want to melt the chocolate at the temperature of the crystals you want? In the first melt, you can melt it to any temperature, but then it's all about the cooling temperature. Because mm -hmm. when you melt it, you bring the temperature up to, I don't know, 60 degrees Celsius or something. I don't know what it is, 80. Mm -hmm. And so you, you bring it up really, really high, mm -hmm. and then you bring it down to make the Form 5 crystals. Mm -hmm. And then you heat it up a little bit, but not higher than mm -hmm. where Form 5 melts mm -hmm. to melt anything that's below that. Mm -hmm. And then you let it cool completely. Mm-hmm and hopefully you only have the form 5 crystals. Hmm. So while form 5 will be the dominant crystal structure, there will still be potentially some of the other crystals within there mm -hmm. at the lower melting points. And this was an interesting fact as I was doing my research <laughs> that I found. Um, tempered chocolate actually takes several weeks to fully crystallize. Oh, so wow. this process, although you do it within a few hours yeah. when you're making the chocolate, the actual chocolate bars that you buy mm -hmm. usually sit for a few weeks to fully crystallize and solidify. Wow. Mm -hmm. Who knew? And then even after all of this tempering has happened, there will still be changes that can happen within the chocolate bar um, because mm -hmm. the most stable form of the crystal structure is not form five. The most stable form no. is form six. Okay. So it will harden as the older mm -hmm. it gets. Well, it, some of the some of the chocolate crystals will reform into the form six mm -hmm. and some of the form five will transform into larger form six crystals this generally yeah. happens on the surface and this okay. is actually uh the fat bloom that i was talking about and so the okay. dominant i mean there's other reasons you can get fat bloom from the other crystal forms but yeah. mainly when you take a chocolate bar and if you leave it out for a very, very long time, it gets kind of a dull yeah. grayish appearance on its surface. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that is the form five crystals from the surface of the chocolate turning into form six. Huh. Who knew? So when you crystallize chocolate to get form five crystals, you can get really good reflectivity of the chocolate. And you can also, you can almost yeah. make it look like glass if you get yeah, just form five. Yeah, I've seen five. some cases like that. It's wild. Yeah. You can get some really, really nice shine on a yeah. chocolate and that's when you basically have only form five you get a really beautiful surface mm -hmm. but then these are very small crystals and the form six are much bigger and so when it mm -hmm. when they do transition to form six they diffuse light more so when the light hits the molecule it scatters it more which means that you mm -hmm. see this it's not shiny anymore it's a kind of grayish appearance it's dullish mm -hmm. it's kind of funny though because then like it's making me reconsider what makes chocolate chocolate because mm. All we're talking about is the fats right now. And fats to me are obviously whitish yellow, mm -hmm. like butter or like any oil, I guess. Shortening mm -hmm. is a really, I feel like the, my go-to image of fat for whatever reason, mm -hmm. especially in chocolates. But the color is always almost brown and that's because of the theobromin or whatever. Yep. But that, and that's the flavor of chocolate, but that has nothing to do with the texture or shininess of chocolate. Yeah. The texture and shininess. Or the deliciousness, in fact. <laughs> well, you could argue... <laughs> well, that some the... of the deliciousness, for sure. <laughs> I, I saw a, a, a fact, and I didn't actually like look up the source of this fact, so take it with a grain of salt, listeners, but um, chocolate has three times more flavor compounds than red wine. So mm. chocolate can actually have some very <laughs> complex 
aromas yeah. and tastes just within cocoa bean to cocoa bean. It's kind of like coffee that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And hmm. so one of the other cool things with all of these complex flavors that exist in chocolate is, mm-hmm. like I was saying, if some chocolate makers actually promote Form 6 growth in their chocolates, mm-hmm. because although it doesn't look as pretty, it takes a higher amount of energy to break down these large crystals in the mouth through mm-hmm. d- dissolving. And so it actually can slow down how quickly the flavor of the chocolate is released. So I was yeah. reading some really interesting chocolate chefs talking about how they use a combination. The outside of a chocolate will be form five tempered chocolate, but then the inside yeah. will be form six. So that you get a really nice slow Ooh. release of these flavors. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is kind of, I'm now just thinking about fats generally and like the fact that like the form six crystals melt around 37 degrees, which is the temperature of the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you think about like how our cell membranes are also made out of fat. And if we just cooled down our cells, <laughs> we could temper a human could body. We get... Yikes. <laughs> Maybe cut that part out. That wasn't exactly what I was going for, but that's okay. where it landed. Well, I was going to say, finish what you were going to say then. <laughs> I don't know. Now that's just ruined it. I was just thinking that like, um, it makes sense that it melts slowly because it's the form six crystals are at 37 degrees and we're trying to melt them at 37 degrees. Mm. So they would melt the slowest of all of the crystals. Yeah. And it would be most difficult for human bodies to melt them because we don't have a lot more heat we can input. Mm -hmm. Especially in our mouths, because our mouths are often anyways colder than 37. Our mouths are a little more like 36th. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, too, that the crystal structures are bigger, so it takes more energy to Mm -hmm. break apart these crystals. But yeah, that's totally, totally true that like our mouths are around 37 degrees. And so... Mm-hmm. It's at the melting point of these forms. So, six. like, have a sip of coffee and then take a bite of chocolate. Mm. As long as it's hot coffee. You know me. Why are you drinking cold coffee? I love a nice iced coffee. Okay, we got your day. <laughs> <laughs> so, another interesting tangent I went on in my research of this chocolate. Mm-hmm. A temper tangent. Temper tangent. <laughs> um, was in an article I was reading about chocolate and tempering. They talked about a researcher that is actually looking at making low-fat chocolate. Which is complex because, as we've talked about, chocolate is pretty much fat. pretty much all fats, yes. But we love that about it. But we're willing to hear what the researcher has to say. So, yeah, so um, <laughs> these researchers were looking at adding water as a substitute mm-hmm. to kind of fill out the chocolate. But when you add water to chocolate, if you've ever tried to reconstitute melted chocolate... <laughs> it creates a bit of a mess <laughs> and because mm-hmm. um, what happens is the sugar hydrates so the sugar mm-hmm. basically dissolves into the water and then it, it completely breaks down all of the structures in place that make nice yeah. melted chocolate or even tempered chocolate and so mm-hmm. what these researchers have done is made a water in cocoa butter emulsion uh, mm-hmm. and so you can think of a, an emulsion is a mixture of two insoluble things, two things that can't go together. So like oil and water, which water and cocoa butter are. Like mayonnaise is an emulsion. Or salad dressing or margarine is also an emulsion. And they've actually used a process that is similar to making industrial margarine. Sorry, using ma- making margarine industrially, not industrial okay. margarine. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the industrial margarine process is what they use. Mm-hmm. And it just... it whips up the 
cocoa butter and water together and the mm-hmm. cocoa butter crystals go to the water oil interface forming a micelle mm-hmm. so they form little micelles mm-hmm. of cocoa Didn't butter. we talk about something like this in a recent episode i remember we talked about micelles in a previous episode and i couldn't remember what we were talking about mm-hmm. i thought we talked about emulsions too yeah and i don't remember what episode that was or why we were talking about it why were we doing that? Why would we talk about it? But this does remind me of um, something on the topic of non-fat, low-fat foods that are fat mm-hmm. foods, mm-hmm. fat-heavy foods, like ice cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maintenance Phase, which is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, has a great episode about Halo Top ice cream, which is a low-fat ice cream. Mm. Because instead of whipping water into the fats, they whip in air. Oh. So like 30% of the tub is just air. Or something like that. Go listen to the actual episode, because I just, I just say numbers. I don't remember numbers. I just say them. <laughs> but um, I think it's something around that, and uh, that's the strategy they use cool. to make low-fat ice cream, is make it mostly air. Interesting. I'll have to check out that mm. episode. That sounds really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and... I think it's also quite high in protein, too. I think they whip the pro- air into protein. Hmm. Cool. Very cool. So that's how they keep the fats to a minimum. Yeah. And so with these chocolates it is basically Mm -hmm. little pockets of water dispersed Mm -hmm. throughout the chocolate um and these these little pockets of water are very 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 tiny they're about one Mm -hmm. micrometer in diameter so your taste buds like your mouth can't actually tell Mm -hmm. that there's water in there that's like the width of an eyelash so a human hair is between 17 and 180 micrometers so this is Mm. 10 to 100 times smaller wow yeah and so your mouth can't tell that there's these little pockets mm-hmm. in there. It's not like eating a, an arrow bar. There's not big <laughs> bubbles in there. I mean, there are, but they're, they're micro bubbles. And also, they're filled with water. So as soon as the chocolate mm-hmm. melts, the water mixes with everything else, and it just the flavors mm-hmm. all mix together. But this uh, special low-fat process has some cool properties not only can 10 to 15 percent of the cocoa butter be replaced with water without it being noticeable so you get a significant Mm -hmm. reduction in the amount of fat that's in the chocolate Um, Mm -hmm. but it actually eliminates the need to temper the chocolate as this modified cocoa butter micelle is already Mm -hmm. in the form 5 form when they make the chocolate wow that's cool Mm -hmm. and then Uh, The article I was reading talked about you can put different flavors in the water, like you can have like orange flavored water stuff, but Mm. something I thought was really cool that I thought you might also uh, think was interesting is you can even put bioactive molecules in the water. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, my mind went to like medicinal chocolate, where... (laughs) What do you mean chocolate isn't medicinal already? (laughs) I'm sorry, Sienna. What are you saying, Alistair? That prescription you've been writing for yourself. Take that back. (laughs) Take it back. Cancel the podcast. Cancel this episode. (laughs) I refuse. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, so you could put in potentially like medication or... Yeah. Um, So I just thought that was was interesting. Be a great way to get animals to take... Oh no, but animals <laughs> that you cannot give you do not give your animals chocolate. Check with your this vet is just before cut that giving part any out. chocolate don't, to your animals. Don't give don't give chocolate to animals. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's dogs that can't handle chocolate, but like I'm pretty sure cats can't either. But in any case, probably don't do it. Not yet a doctor is Rethink not responsible this. for any liability of giving chocolate to your animals. It's a great way to give drugs to Sienna, I guess. <laughs> Sienna will be more willing to take drugs in chocolate form than in pill form. Yes, there you go. 
<laughs> exactly. A lot of people already put drugs in chocolate. This is not new. Yes, but the way that that happens <laughs> is usually uh, by yeah, having yeah, yeah. the drug in an oil form and then mixing the oils together. True. If we're talking True. about cannabinoids. We, not that we've ever been do- done it. And I've also Cannabinoids are also not very soluble in water, which is part of the problem. Yes, yeah. Put them in fats, have a fun time. Put them in water, have not such a fun time. <laughs> have less of a fun time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, I thought that was an interesting application of... Uh, some industrial margarine (laughs) industrial uh, processes to make low-fat chocolate and potentially Mm -hmm. medicinal chocolate yeah what else would you put in the water what else could you think of what well flavor compounds flavoring it would be good yeah Yeah. but like hmm vaccines (laughs) uh probably not the best method of delivery for a vaccine but you know what you could be onto something sienna we could try it. Can't hurt. I'll, I'll taste test it. I don't mind. Yeah, Pfizer's going to be working on the new uh, flu vaccine mm-hmm. for next year, and it's just a chocolate bar. That'd be kind of fun. Not for people who don't like chocolate, though. That's the only problem. Well, okay, actually... There are lots of people who don't like chocolate. Yeah, and question on this, could you actually deliver a vaccine orally? Like, the reason it's injected is because that's the best way to get into your bloodstream, right? So, like... No, it's injected into your muscles so that you get like an intramuscular injection it's not intended to go into your bloodstream at all it's so that um it, how do vaccines work yeah <laughs> yeah okay vaccines contain multiple components one component is the bit that belongs to the virus whatever that looks like in new mrna vaccines it's an mrna that is then transcribed into a protein that resembles a viral protein mm-hmm. um, but they also contain something called an adjuvant which is something that says to the immune system hey i'm here and i'm scary and then the immune system runs to that spot because the adjuvant is like shouting at them mm. the immune cells come out of your blood and into your muscle and then they attack the thing that's there and they remember it and then they go back into your blood and we actually don't know where memory b cells hide in the body i think they're unless like there's been recent papers on that but that'd be a pretty big deal anyways we have suspected places where they hide but i think they probably just hide all over but there's a cell called a memory b cell and it's the cells that are like really long lasting and they have antibodies against you know particular things that you've seen once 10 years ago and then when you see it again these guys come out of hiding and create the antibodies against it and then also of course you know in the short term the reason why vaccine efficacy and antibody concentration goes down like over six months is because there's a bunch of other immune cells in your blood like t-cells and regular b-cells that aren't as long lived Mm. but they're also producing antibodies against the thing that they saw in your muscle Mm -hmm. so then yep Cool. Well, th- there's our there's our episode on vaccines. Uh, thanks for <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're not getting a whole vaccine. We're just, yeah, our whole vaccine. We're not getting a whole episode. No, no, no. We're just getting that. But so, but what I'm curious <laughs> about is yeah. why wouldn't it work? Putting like I'm not saying you're saying it couldn't work, but could you put it in a chocolate bar? That's a great question. I think probably. I mean, there are oral vaccines, right? There, I think there is one. I've never heard of any that you can take in a banana form. I'm pretty sure there's a banana vaccine banana-based delivery of vaccine i'm just gonna do a Um, quick google bananas have emerged as the best candidate to deliver bite-sized vaccine for hepatitis b ah this is from science daily back in 2007 so yeah no it's been a long time i heard about that a long time ago but um i think probably more the reason why oral delivery for a vaccine is not the best well yeah i don't know i think it probably has to do with the acidity of the stomach yeah 
I think probably that would denature a lot of the things that you're putting in. Mm-hmm. You also wouldn't necessarily want to put an adjuvant in your stomach. There's already, yeah, it would just be, it's probably just a more complex question because the thing with the stomach and the gut is that it's so used to seeing foreign material. Mm-hmm. It's not the best place to necessarily get novel exposure to new things because you're always being exposed to new things there and a lot of them are not things that you want to attack or that are going to cause you any harm because a lot of it's your food a lot of it are just like microbes that are going to travel through your system and never get into your body or bloodstream any other way a lot of it is just your general healthy gut flora right yeah so i think it's just a different kind of immune system situation that's happening there that you would need to just address differently Mm mm-hmm Whereas if you do have something in your muscle, it's definitely not supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. No matter what. Like, yeah, that's... you're not supposed to have any bacteria in your muscles. Exactly. But you're definitely supposed to have bacteria and viruses in your gut. Yes. So. I think that, yeah, that, that makes sense. And also the acidity of the place. I also, like, I don't think mRNA vaccines could work in the stomach just because, like, the whole point of the stomach and the gut is to break down <laughs> yeah. RNA molecules. <laughs> yeah. So, like... That would be like a very complex. I mean, I I know that they're already trapped in my cells, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> vesicles, my cells. The whole point of the digestive tract is to break down my cells, right? Like yeah, exactly, and break down everything, yeah. really. But so, I think that's probably the complexity of why more vaccines aren't delivered orally. Interesting. Whereas drugs can be because you can put actually like a drug in a gelatin capsule and then your stomach breaks down the gelatin Mm -hmm. and the drug is small enough that it can slip through the stomach lining and the lining of the guts. Mm -hmm. But things like bacteria aren't small enough to do that. Well, I guess maybe viral particles would be a problem. This is so far out of my scope of research that uh, I'm deferring to you. So <laughs> I found an interesting I'm, article I'm going to send yeah. to you um, from okay. my Molecular Biotechnology uh, back in 2020. Um, and okay. the title is Edible Vaccines, Promises, and Challenges. And I just think it's yeah, interesting. Cool. Maybe um, we'll do an episode on that yeah, then. Anyways. Maybe. <laughs> huh. Brainstorming session. Uh, if listeners want to <laughs> check it out, it's on uh, PMC, the National U.S. National Library of Medicine. PubMed Central is what that stands for. I don't know what any of these websites mean. PMC is PubMed Central. Yeah, but it's uh, free. Like, it's, I don't yeah. know, I, the whole article's here. So, um, mm. I actually want to read that now. But we're we're deep in the weeds and off of the topic of chocolate. So. Yeah, we're not even supposed to be talking about this. <laughs> um, so, eating chocolates that contain vaccines... What are the implications societally? <laughs> That's where we were, right? If any listeners know more than us, which I'm sure there's some of you, uh, please Definitely. get in touch and let us know the viability of edible vaccines potentially. Let us know chocolate. if you have ever eaten a vaccine, in fact. That would <laughs> yeah, be that'd be, cool that'd be really cool to hear about. So the final thing I wanted to talk about today is the paper that kind of started this journey, uh, this quest for chocolate. <laughs> it is called Tempering of Cocoa Butter and Chocolate Using Minor Lipidic Components. And it was mm-hmm. published in Nature Communications in August of 2021. Can I ask a quick question? Sorry. You can ask many questions. Uh, this one might be quick. Um, so when I think of cocoa butter, when I picture mm-hmm. it, it's kind of off-white. Mm-hmm. Why is chocolate brown? Because of the... The cocoa ca- powder? The cacao the nibs. Powder. Yeah. Okay. So there are two separate components. The cocoa butter is the butter from the cocoa bean, but it doesn't contain the deliciousness of the chocolate that makes the chocolate brown. Yeah. So like the theobromin and the flavor molecules. It's just the fats of the nut. 
Exactly. If you think about when you're making like dark chocolate cookies, like chocolate chip cookies, but they're double chocolate chip cookies. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you... <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. The large component of the cookie, other than flour, yeah. is butter. Like there's a lot of butter Absolutely. in cookies, right? Oh, but yeah. But butter is off yellow and flour is white. So what makes it mm-hmm. that deep, dark chocolatey double chocolate color is the cocoa powder and cocoa powder is in obviously in the cocoa bean in chocolate so okay yeah but the cocoa butter comes from a different part of the bean than the cocoa powder i guess sure (laughs) or at least they're extracted separately yes yes i think it's the problem yeah i think in current more industrial uh ways of making chocolate the cocoa butter and the cocoa powder are combined to make a chocolate bar yeah my question i was just thinking about like the production from getting the cocoa pod which contains the beans Mm -hmm. to getting the fats for the cocoa butter versus the bean for the cacao nibs cocoa powder and that's where i wasn't sure what how the separation occurs like is it just the wrapping and like structure around the bean because i know there's like a lot of steps i also i have like picked up knowledge about chocolate here and there in my life for no reason (laughs) not because i really love chocolate or something and i did a presentation on it in grade six because i loved it so much but um we should now i'm I'm trying to think of it and i don't remember if i can't and it was in french i was just trying to think of like yeah where the cocoa butter comes from from the plant yeah and i think i didn't look into this but i think they are alistair I i could do a cursory google um, Google, Google it, Google it. Cocoa powder, which is the dry powder made from grinding cocoa seeds and then removing the cocoa butter from the cocoa solids, which are dark and bitter. Yep. Producers ferment, dry, roast, strip, and press cocoa beans to extract cocoa butter. Okay. It's obtained from whole cocoa beans. Yes. And so the beans... Its melting point is just below human body temperature. This is what I'm yeah. saying. Cocoa butter was literally evolved to be eaten by us. <laughs> kind of. I think yeah. that was my point earlier. Yes. Okay. It was an evolutionary <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The beans are then roasted and separated from their hulls to produce cocoa nibs. About 54 to 58% of the cocoa nibs is cocoa butter. Fascinating. Mm. Yeah. You can get a lot out of a bean. Yeah. I think I'm always surprised how much you can get out of a single bean. Like how what what stuff there's in beans. Beans are really cool. I beans like beans are a great. lot. This is what they say. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, you can the get more fats. Chocolate. You can get theobroma. <laughs> you can get chocolate. You can get some toots. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Sorry for the off trackness. No, that. it's good. Okay. No, it's good. Um, I'm glad you asked about cocoa butter because it is a distinction mm-hmm. that this paper makes because they looked yeah. at cocoa butter and chocolate, and so mm-hmm. yes, the cocoa butter comes from the production of the or the, the refining of the yeah. cocoa bean. The bean. And generally it is... <laughs> I don't is... know why I'm so excited to talk about beans. <laughs> well, because <laughs> beans are great. The, the beans are pressed to get the cocoa butter, as you said, and then... Thinking about those beans. Dried, and then the powder and the butter are combined to make chocolate, along with other things. But mm-hmm. that's the process of making chocolate in a nutshell in a bean shell in a pod pod. (laughs) that's the pod process in a podcast we're talking about pods in this pod 
I've got to stop. I'm so excited. I'm so sorry, listeners. No, this is great. This is. <laughs> I've I've missed your uh, your enthusiasm for podcasting and beans. <laughs> so beans. This paper caught my attention because they did a lot of research, and I'm gonna try and summarize everything they did. Is the author's name an anagram of Sienna Drake? No. okay i thought maybe it was like me in another life if you if you would like to get in touch with them uh the authors are jay chen saeed ghazani jervis stobbs and alejandro maragoni uh so if you want to get in touch with alejandro and tell them that you uh really like the paper on chocolate um (laughs) you can do so their main thesis or the main the main finding of this paper was that There are minor lipid components that play a role in chocolate tempering. And in fact, Mm -hmm. using and adding these minor components can temper the chocolate to this desirable form five Mm -hmm. without the complicated heating and cooling process. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they kind of found a shortcut for tempering chocolate. And I thought it was really interesting. So Mm -hmm. as we talked about earlier in the episode, the main components of cocoa butter are a bunch of different fats. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and these are fatty acids in fact yep and well fatty acids but also trialkylglycerols and monoalkylglycerols dialkylglycerols free fatty acids Mm -hmm. and phospholipids so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different types of fats that make up cocoa butter yeah for all our listeners who don't know chemistry these are all just a bunch of different words for like things that are essentially fats yeah yeah and i I don't want to get too into the chemical yeah. structures because fats are big and long and have exactly. long chains and some of them are kinky and some <laughs> of them just you know do it missionary but <clears throat> excuse me i mean uh, some of them are unsaturated and <laughs> okay <laughs> but they, they, they do have kinks in them the best mean? ones are kinky it's true <laughs> two of the important ones for this paper though mm-hmm. and i wanted to try and pronounce these because you know i am a chemist are dipomatoyl phosphatidylethanolamine. <laughs> okay. Or DPPE. So we're going to talk about DPPE, which is dipomatoyl phosphatidylethanolamine. Mm-hmm. And dimeristoyl phosphatidylcholine, okay. which is DMPC. DPPE, DMPC. These are two of the minor components that can make up chocolate in, in varying amounts Mm -hmm. but uh for all of the minor components they're non-triacoglycerol lipid molecules that are in cocoa butter at levels of three percent or less okay so it's not the main triacoglycerols that make up cocoa butter but these smaller fats like phospholipids and dppe and dmpc Mm -hmm. that are in concentrations of three percent or less Mm -hmm. so they're minor components Mm These researchers aren't the first people to discover that these minor components can promote or inhibit crystal nucleation, mm-hmm. uh, but they did a lot of interesting research on the tempering process. Mm-hmm. So previous research has shown that these minor components can kind of act as nucleation sites where the crystals can start to grow from, mm-hmm. or they can prevent it by blocking the crystal growth sites. Oh, interesting. This study looked at unrefined cocoa butter as well as some commercial chocolates. Okay. And so we're going to start talking about cocoa butter, which is just, as you were saying, that kind of off-white yeah. substance, but it's a huge component of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also going to talk about uh, the chocolates that they looked at. Yeah. And so when when they refined this cocoa butter, what they did is they removed all of the minor components from the cocoa mm, butter. So okay. it was just 
the triglycerols. Yeah. And they found, when they refined this cocoa butter and they mm -hmm. took out the minor components, the crystal structure, when looked at using certain techniques, looked like a blend of the form 4 and form 5. Okay. So it was not in the desirable form 5. It was a mix yeah. of form 4 and form 5. And so removing these minor components drastically changes the crystal structure of cocoa butter. So you'd think, great, okay, Put there's back a paper in. right there. Yeah. No, okay. <laughs> they went further. So when they didn't refine it, yes. it was closely matching form six. Mm -hmm. Then when they took out the minor components and refined the cocoa butter, the melting point dropped to something closer to form four. Okay, so we're trying to hit that nice middle zone. Exactly. And so what they did is they added specific minor components back in mm -hmm. and the melting point went back up. Ooh. So they were able to kind of play with the melting point. And yeah. the melting point is indicative, as we talked about earlier, is indicative of what form the chocolate is in or the cocoa butter yeah. is in. And so the addition of phospholipids increased the crystallization rate. Mm -hmm. So it actually not only could change the melting temperature, but it also made it crystallize faster. Which means it wouldn't have to sit on the shelf for a week? Potentially. Potentially. Might... We don't know. They didn't look into that. They didn't look into the long-term stability. They did, they did look into the stability over a number of days, I think it was. Yeah. But not further. Actually, that was a little side tangent. When I was looking into this paper, I saw that they had published their peer reviewer comments, which yeah. isn't generally common in a lot of papers I've seen, but yeah. I don't know if... I love seeing those. No, it's not common, but it's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit validating because I've received reviewer comments on a number of my papers, and they can be pretty harsh. Yeah. <laughs> they can be pretty demoralizing and very critical, which is part of the peer review process. But then to read other people's... And then their responses, one of the responses, oh, one of the responses uh, said something like, um, I don't know how you would prove anything else in science. Because <laughs> the, the, the reviewer was like, you didn't do enough, you need to do more to, to prove your point. Mm -hmm. And then the author basically said, I don't know what more to do. Mm -hmm. This is how you prove stuff in science. Like, I don't know what you're expecting. Anyway, just a little side tangent about the peer review process. So now I want to show you some pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. I want to see them. Okay. Show me the pretty pictures. Show okay. me the chocolate. So, <gasps> these are polarized light microscopy images. Oh, wow. So, I said they were a scanning electron micrograph. I was... You lied. Incorrect Huge earlier. Huge lies. No, misspoke. Big lie. And so, you can see here... Wow. So, all of these images have feather-like structures. Yeah. And again, listeners, these images will be available on our Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. So, you can look along with us. Um, the unrefined sample mm -hmm. has smaller crystals, mm -hmm. and the unrefined sample is A, mm -hmm. up in the top left corner. So you can see it still has some crystals, but it's very kind of dispersed. Yeah, kind of looks like lint. Yeah, it does kind of look like lint. When uh, DPPE was added, this is D mm -hmm. here in the lower right corner. Oh, you wow. You can see that there are much larger crystals yeah. that are forming. Yes. And then DM... PC is C here in the lower left. And you can see that it has more crystals than A, mm -hmm. but not as big crystals as D. Mm -hmm. And then B is the refined cocoa butter. So you can see that with, with D, you get the kind of most and largest mm -hmm. uh, crystals. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a very interesting, pretty picture that they included in their paper. Yes. And then I would think... 
you know, okay, we've we've done the melting point, we've done the crystal structure, we've done the, uh, I don't know what else they did for cocoa butter. <laughs> melting point, crystal structure, this polarized light microscopy. There's a paper right there. Yeah, sure. You know, adding these minor components in to cocoa butter does things to its structure and, and, and it has these forms. They did not stop there. No, folks, <laughs> they did not. They did not. As scientists do, they trekked onwards into the fields of chocolate. Exactly. As chocolate researchers do, I'm sure, they went out and bought some chocolate. Mm -hmm. And so they took some lint chocolate Lovely. and added phospholipids to a sample, mm -hmm. recrystallized a sample, mm -hmm. and left one control sample. Okay. So there were kind of three conditions, um, more than three because they added a few different of the phospholipids, mm -hmm. DPPE and DMP. PC. I've already forgotten the acronyms. DMPC and DPBE. Yeah. Okay. And they took more pictures. They took some more pictures, which I'll show you. But the first thing they did is they looked at the elastic bending moduli. Oh my god. Which basically indicates the stiffness of the chocolate. The crackiness it makes when it. Cracks. The crackiness. The the snappiness exactly. And as we heard on <laughs> earlier with your chocolate bar, the tempered chocolate or chocolate that is in the desirable form five mm -hmm. form will have a nice snap to it. And so they found that the elastic bending moduli was similar between the controlled chocolate, so the, the commercially bought mm -hmm. tempered chocolate, and the phospholipid-containing samples, mm -hmm. but was significantly lower for their recrystallized commercial chocolate. Because what they did mm -hmm. is they had one control sample mm -hmm. and then melted down the other samples and added in the phospholipids and cooled them. They didn't mm -hmm. temper any of them. They yeah, just, they're just melting added phospholipids. Exactly. And so the one that was melted and then cooled, melted and then cooled again, mm -hmm. didn't temper and so didn't have the same snappiness to it mm -hmm. as compared to adding a little bit of these extra phospholipids, these minor components. Fascinating. So this was evidence that you could temper chocolate with just the addition of minor components. Mm -hmm. They then went on to talk about the fact that uh, tempering often focuses on the melting behavior of the chocolate yeah. but there's not much consideration into actually these microstructure and mechanical properties mm -hmm. that are going on and so they're showing that actually DMPC and DPPE help achieve the desired hardness and fracture properties without impacting the form of the chocolate mm -hmm. without directly tempering it and they hypothesized that this could be in uh, this could be due to changes in the microstructure of the actual cocoa butter fat crystal network mm -hmm. and, and the nucleation behavior of the cocoa butter. Cool. So then oh my they God. didn't stop there. What? <laughs> they looked at the whiteness index yeah. uh, because the surface color of the chocolate, if it's you know got a nice glossy finish, that's a desirable quality of chocolate. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this was interesting. I dove into their methods and uh, they said surface color of the chocolate samples was analyzed using an Android phone. <laughs> <laughs> So what they actually did, and it's super cool, and I, I love this. They downloaded an app. They they basically used the camera. Mm -hmm. They took the samples and placed them on a ba black background, mm -hmm. and then they photographed them with an Android phone mm -hmm. camera, and then analyzed the RGB values. And then they used some software to calculate what's called the whiteness index, mm -hmm. which just means how white an image is, basically. Interesting. So they, they were using polarized light microscopy, and they also used some really interesting technique Android for the chocolate that we'll get to. <laughs> but they also used an Android phone camera. Like, they just, they used everything. That's so funny. Yeah. And so they found that uh, the DMPC chocolate had a lower whiteness index, mm -hmm. suggesting that the addition of these phospholipids aided the stability of the chocolate and 
uh, resulted in less fat bloom hmm. or also a smoother, shiny surface wow. compared to the recrystallized commercial chocolate wow. sample. So we've got the snappiness and we've got the color, the, color, the shininess. Mm-hmm. Then finally, There's another they thing. looked at the, yes, they looked at the chocolate microstructure <gasps> by synchrotron-based microcomputed tomography. Oh my God. So they looked at the surface? They looked at the tomography? 3D structure, like let me show you the photos. Okay. <laughs> so these are voxels. Okay. Uh, I think, have we talked about voxels before? A voxel... Voxels are 3D pixels. Yes. So yeah. a pixel is a two-dimensional unit of light in a computer, essentially, a computing image unit. I don't know. Yes. A uh, voxel just has a third dimension. Yeah. It's a volume pixel. So it's... Yeah. yeah volume pixel. And so these voxels represent tiny, tiny cubes mm-hmm. of chocolate. That they okay. basically, I don't know if someone went or if they shipped them off to Saskatchewan and used okay. this super expensive synchrotron braced microcomputer tomography instrument, yeah. which basically fires x rays through it and then yeah. you look at the scattering of the light the and re- structure. Exactly. So you get really, really precise cool. structure information. So they, t- they x rayed the chocolate, is what it is. They x rayed the, it's like, it's kind they of like intensely x rayed it. I think this is what they do with like fossils. Remember in our yep. fossil episode? Very similar yeah. stuff, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is similar. And so what they found with this analysis technique mm-hmm. is that there is a... You can see there's a reduction in the intensity of the green color yes. in these images for the lint R, yes. which is the recrystallized, yeah. compared to the lint F, which is the fresh chocolate, yeah. and the DMPC and the DPPE. Yeah. So they found that even in terms of the full crystal network inside yeah there is similar crystal structures between the addition of these two phospholipids dmpc and dppe and the tempered tempered chocolate chocolate. like the temperature tempered chocolate sort of exactly so they're essentially saying that by adding these things instead of using temperature to obtain the crystals you can use additives to obtain the crystals exactly and so their final conclusion was that dmpc and dppe and potentially some other saturated phospholipids can be used as effective additives for engineering the crystalline behavior polymorphism uh, nanostructure and microstructure in cocoa butter and chocolate products so potentially and i mean i'm sure they're collaborating with some big chocolate manufacturer on this Mm -hmm. but you may not need to temper chocolate using a temperature regulation Mm-hmm. in the future wow so there you go i thought that was a really interesting paper uh and i wanted to walk you through all the different techniques that they used because they did a lot of really cool things and also used an android smartphone so <laughs> yeah that was that was so silly that was so funny i love yeah. that honestly wow very cool thank you alistair you're um, welcome i'd like to um just quickly give my sources uh yeah the paper tempering of cocoa butter and chocolate using minor lipidic components from nature communications by yeah. j chen saeed ghazani jervis Stobbs, and aleandro margoni i mm. also uh looked into another paper development and characterization of tempered cocoa butter emulsions containing up to 60 percent water from the journal yeah. of food engineering by j.e norton pj fryer j parkinson and pw cox and then also uh, an article by Nina Notman called Well-Tempered Chocolate from Chemistry World and the Polymorphs of Chocolate from Compound Interest. What's your favorite type of chocolate? Mmm, I love a good milk chocolate. 
No. What? No. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. What kind of chocolate are you like? Dark chocolate is the queen of all chocolates. Mm. I, I thought we were also going to talk about the new type of chocolate that was discovered recently. There was a new type of chocolate discovered? Yeah. So the types of chocolates that exist are chocolate, like dark chocolate. White chocolate? And white chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, white chocolate is an actual different type of chocolate, or what they consider it. But then they discovered one called rose chocolate, I think. Ruby chocolate. I'm so sorry. Ruby chocolate is a variety of chocolate introduced in 2017 by Carrie Calibo, a Belgian-Swiss cocoa company. Anyways, that's a new... It's the fourth type of chocolate. Ruby chocolate is pretty rare. Rare. Are you sure you've had it? Hardy's makes a ruby chocolate bar. it's expensive. Oh, wow. Wait, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Anyways, it's the fourth type... You might be. It's the fourth type along dark milk and white chocolate varieties, and it has a pink color. Cool. And it's made from ruby cocoa beans. Yeah, I've... Which I've are a cocoa bean variety. Cool. Okay, well, good Articles. for you. <laughs> Sorry, Anyways, no, I... <laughs> I haven't, but I would like to. <laughs> I'll send you a ruby chocolate bar. Really? Sure, wow. why not? Send me your address. Okay. Listeners, if you want... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, wait, what's your address, Listeners, Sienna? Let me if just you would like a... If you would like a ruby chocolate bar, get in touch with Alistair. He's no, willing to send them. No, I'm one. kidding. <laughs> I haven't had Purdy's chocolate in such a long time. Oh my god. Hey, I've got a, I've got a Purdy's chocolate right here. Must be nice. It's delicious. Must be nice. It's really good. Must be nice. <laughs> no, I love dark chocolate and dark chocolate orange. Mm, mm. Delicious. Terry's chocolate oranges are just like next level. Chocolate. Yeah, I guess. Okay, you asked me. What's your favorite type of chocolate, Sienna? Dark chocolate. Mm. There you go. There's the podcast. <laughs> I said that already. <laughs> That's the podcast. All right. Um, well, um, let me clear this chocolate out of my mouth yes. before I do the outro. <laughs> In the meantime, I'm going to apologize to our listeners who don't like chocolate because I know there's at least one of you out there. And for that, I'm sorry. This episode is not for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. This episode is for anyone who's just interested in food science and food chemistry. You don't have to enjoy chocolate to enjoy learning about tempering exactly. chocolate. And you can temper many other things. We love all of our listeners. Yeah. Yes. Like steel. We should talk about that sometime. <laughs> I was actually originally going to go on a whole tangent about like the chemistry of tempering, but I think this episode mm-hmm. has been long enough as it is. That'll be another episode. Okay. Another chocolate episode, part tempering. two. Tempering steel. <laughs> <laughs> steel chocolate I'd like to um, thank our listeners for coming back and listening to our third season it's great to be back and I'm really looking forward to what the season holds I'm Alistair I'm Sienna, we have a lot in store this season it's going to be very fun, very exciting stuff so yeah, keep tuning in we hope you enjoy eat your chocolate and have a nice evening, day, or night, or morning. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.